a reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as the body as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know why we're here? We're here because God wants a family. The entire Bible, the, the whole book, is the story of God being about the business of building a family. In 1 Peter 2, verse 17, we read, Love the family of believers. That's what God wants us to do. God wants us to learn to love the people in our family. As Catherine pointed out, it's not always the easiest thing to do, is it? God's children need to learn to get along with one another. That pleases God. Don't we want our children to get along with each other? We had to. And sometimes we had to draw an imaginary line in the back seat. And some of you know what that imaginary line was about, don't you? We want our children to go, of course we do. The second purpose in life is fellowship. That's the word the Bible uses for the way that we love each other. Fellowship, like the word worship, is often misunderstood. When we think of fellowship, we think, oh, we're going out for coffee and cake after church, going to have fellowship. Going to have cake and cookies, we're going to have fellowship. We're going out to eat together. We're going to have fellowship. Some might say going to church and we'll have fellowship. But we know that church is not a place we go. It's a family of which we are a part. It's impossible to fulfill all the purposes that God has for our lives without fellowship. We're not meant to go it alone here on earth. We need each other. We need community. There are those who say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't belong to any church. That doesn't make sense because church is where we live out what it means to be Christian. And by the way, not every group that meets together at 10 or 11 or whatever time on Sunday is a church. Okay? I'm a Christian, but I don't want to belong to a church. It doesn't make sense. The church is where we live out what it means to be Christian. 
That's like saying, I'm a football player, but I don't want to have any part in the team. It's like saying, I'm a tuba player, but I don't want to be part of an orchestra. A Christian without a church family is an orphan. Orphan. And then there are the church hoppers. When I was pastor, I was pastor of two congregations, one for 15 years and one for 11 plus. It always worried me when we were the third church in town that someone joined. We had one of those and they became really, really active. And I told a close friend, I said, it won't be long before they're going, what, what, what? They love this church. And sure enough, it wasn't long. Church hoppers, people who go from church to church. We need to attach ourselves to a group of people and say, I want to be a part of what's going on there. Jesus calls the church the body. We heard that in Romans. What if I said to you, I know, you know, I love you, but I can't stand your body. Church is Jesus' body. There's a pip- picture of membership. It's called baptism. It's a picture that we belong together in the body of Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized. We read in Corinthians into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Baptism is a public way of saying, I am a part of this body. I'm a part of the church, and I'm excited to belong to the church, this body of believers. It's a visible symbol of our commitment of our heart and our lives to Jesus Christ and his kingdom. When I've talked with young folk about baptism, I use the image of, you know, we've heard that a picture is worth a thousand words. And that's what baptism is. It's a witness. It's a picture of what's happened to to us inside. And we can't develop Friendship, experience, fellowship without meeting together, can we? In Hebrews we read, let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together. I can't provoke you to anything if I can't see you, right? We're to share our problems, our struggles. Talked about some of those in the great Sunday school class that Meg taught this morning. We're not meant to face those things alone. We're here to share each other's troubles and problems and challenges, to cry with each other in the losses and to laugh and celebrate the successes. We're to do our part. A partnership, a partnership is realizing that I have a contribution to make. The family of God needs me and my gifts. And to say I don't have any is to say God didn't know what God was doing when God created you. 
God did not bring you to McLean Baptist Church to sit and soak in some spiritual spa. God brought you here to serve, to make a difference in the lives of others as well as your own life. You know, in our family, we divide up the chores, don't we? My chore is to wash the clothes at our house. For 40-some years, that's been my job. Now, my wife loves to wear white things, and, you know, white things get stuff on. So I've become a master of getting stains out of white things. So if you have issues, come to me. I have all the little stain remover things from 1 through 8 that Carbona puts out that I can help you get rid of pretty much any stain that you've got. But I don't do folding and ironing. When I try to iron a shirt, it comes out looking worse than it did when I started. We all have gifts, you know, and I'm glad to do my part. But there's part of it that I really am not gifted in doing. And that's what church is about, to do our part. Where do I fit? How do I fit? Ephesians, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament in which it is equipped as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. The word for fellowship in the Bible in Greek is koinonia. And the basic root literally means being as committed to each other as we are to Jesus Christ being as committed to each other as we are in following Jesus. Loving God, that's, that's called worship. It's called worship. And loving each other, that's called fellowship. The Gospel of John reminds us, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Behold how they love each other. Don't you want this to be a place where people say, you know, it's incredible. Not how they love each other, but they also welcome and love the stranger. The one who's different. My mother used to tell me that sometimes the people who need love the most are the hardest ones to love. And I think that's right. But that's what we're to be about, loving God and each other. The greatest honor you will ever have in life is being a part of God's family. It's a laboratory for learning to love. Some of you grew up in homes that didn't have a lot of love, and honestly, you don't know how to love. It's difficult for you to to trust and to love. We have to be taught in the church, the family of God, is, is, is where we learn to love real people, not ideal people. One of the things we talked about in Sunday school, the, the Old Testament is such a wonderful book because everybody's flawed. And amazing things happen. Even God can use broken, wounded, sinful people 
and accomplish God's purposes, which means there's hope for you and me in all of this. That's what God puts us on earth to do, is to learn to love. Where I served in Hickory, North Carolina for over 11 years, we had two worship services. The early one was much different than the later. We would have a faith story one Sunday in the early service, and then we would have communion the next, and we would just go back and forth. Very participatory service. And it was, it was a little bit like the Carson show used to be, the Tonight Show. You know, if the comedian came on and was really good, I think I've mentioned this to you, you know, we would invite them to come to the 11 o'clock service too. You know, if they weren't so good, we would just keep them in the, in the you know... But one Sunday, we didn't have anybody, and we decided what we would do. We would ask people in good Baptist fashion to give testimony, just to stand where they were and say, where's God been at work in your life? Backstory: three weeks before this Sunday, we had buried Aaron Sane, 19-year-old son of Gary and Karen Sane, who had brain tumor. And Gary and I rushed to Charlotte because Karen was there and, and Aaron was dying, praying the whole time that he wouldn't die before we got there, and he made it. I don't remember the testimonies that Sunday, but the next morning they started to come in, and one from Kelly, who Michelle Silver reminds me a lot of Kelly. This is the email I got from Kelly. I hope I can do this without crying. Yesterday, when you asked for testimony, I wanted to say that I think the Sains, Aaron's funeral had been three weeks earlier with a brain tumor died, are probably the bravest example, bravest and best example of what Christians are in our church. I believe it's easy to come to worship God when everything's going pretty much your way and your life is fairly smooth. I think they are a testimony just being in worship. I forwarded that on to Aaron's mother, Karen, and she replied this way. I truly wanted to say something Sunday, but knowing how emotionally fragile I am at the moment, I knew I couldn't squeak out a single word. I wanted everyone sitting there to know how very much we treasure them and how much their journey through this with us has meant. We consider prayers answered that we were led to Viewmont Baptist Church and that you, Diane, and others gave us the support and guidance that was so essential in facing the challenges we had to face and will continue to face. I could, quote, do a sermon, end quote, on prayers that were answered, and hopefully we will someday know the answers to those that weren't. Thank you for sharing Kelly's note. And then in a follow-up email, Karen sent another one. Jackie Igo was the critical case manager in the ICU at Virginia Hospital Center in Arlington when Aaron was there. We got to know her quite well while we were there. She, in fact, arranged our air ambulance transport. She battled a very serious case of breast cancer several years ago at about the age of 42, and her picture-slash-testimony is featured on, the wall, on a wall at the cancer center there. 
Wandering around the hospital one night, I stopped and read what the five featured cancer patients had to say about their journeys. Jackie's last sentence really stood out to me, and I share this sentiment entirely about all the people who have shared our journey. In her testimony, she talks of all those who helped her in, most, in the most challenging days, and she ended by saying, quote, And though they could not ease our pain, calm our fear, or save our lives. By simply loving us, they have done more than they will ever know. Karen concluded her email to me with these words. I don't think I could sum up any better than this how I feel about all those who walked the walk with us. We'll be forever indebted to them. As I remembered and reread those words this week, I thought of the time when we were in Arkansas that we took our youth to a weekend retreat conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We got home, I think it was late Saturday night, and Cotton and Rosanna motioned to me and said, let's step inside the church. One of the youth on the trip was Cade, a friend of their son Spencer, Cotton and Rosanna's son. And they looked at me and said, while you were gone, Cade's mother and father went into the garage, got into their car, started the engine, and took their own lives. Cade doesn't know it, but we've got to tell him. And I said, okay, we'll meet at your house. We had a young youth minister named Rodney. And Rodney, as my grandpa used to say, was still wet behind the ears. He was new at all of this. And his eyes got as big as saucers. And he said, well, well what are we going to say? And I said, Rodney... We're not going to say anything. We're just going to sit with Cade and cry. Because that's all we can do. Folks, that's church. That's church. That's a church I want to be a part of. Thanks be to God. Oh God, may we be church. May we be church by worship, loving you, and by fellowship, loving each other. Through Christ our Lord, amen.